You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Giants fans, I'm Ed Valentine, and you are listening to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. Thank you for joining us, and on today's show, we will have special guest James Yarko of the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of SB Nation's Bucks Nation. And he will be joining us a little bit later on to preview Sunday's Giants-Buccaneers game at MetLife Stadium as your New York Giants look for a second straight victory after Monday night's win over the San Francisco 49ers. Before we get to that, though, I thought we would talk about a couple of other topics. Two things I really wanted to discuss today are the return of Jason Pierre-Paul, former Giants first-round pick to MetLife Stadium, and also wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the the importance or what I see as the importance of winning football games, you know, for the Giants, despite the fact that they are 2-7 and seven and they're not going to the playoffs. So let's, uh, let's start with a discussion of the return of Jason Pierre-Paul. Uh, I don't know if you saw the quotes from from JPP on Wednesday, but he basically he's fired up for his return to to MetLife Stadium, and no one can blame him for that. He spent eight years with the Giants, former number one pick, won a Super Bowl in New York, you know, was a was a Pro Bowl player for the Giants, played a lot of good football for New York. The Giants traded him to Tampa Bay in the offseason, getting back a, a third round draft choice. Pierre Paul said, basically, I think his quote was, I'm coming, man. I'm going to burn the house down. And, you know, I don't blame JPP for being uh, for being fired up about this, maybe for being a little bit bitter about being traded by the Giants. You know, but, but as I wrote at Big Blue View, I have to look beyond JPP's eight sacks this season. I have to look beyond the fact that he's played well you know, when I consider whether the Giants did the right thing by trading Pierre Paul to Tampa Bay, I believe that they did. I believe that the cap savings that they will get over the next two years, I think something like $27 million in cap savings in 2019 and 2020 combined, is going to be well worthwhile. 
I think that helped them sign Odell Beckham. It may help them sign Landon Collins long term. You know, JPP is 29. He's having a nice season. But that was a massive contract. Four years, $62 million that the Giants signed him to. Getting out from underneath that, getting a third round pick that turned into defensive lineman B.J. Hill, who looks like he's going to be part of this team's future, I think was a very, very good get, very good move by Dave Gettleman. You're getting you know, a player with a future versus a player with a past. You know, what I always say is it's better to move on from a player a year too early than a year too late. And I believe that what we will see over the next couple of seasons with Jason Pierre-Paul is a player who does not play up to the level of that contract. He is right now, I will not argue with that, but I do not believe that he will continue to do that over the next couple of years. I think that over the term of that contract, moving on from him will be proven to be the correct move by the Giants. It was a move that that I applauded when the Giants made it, and, and I will continue to stand by that. I believe that they did the right thing. What I also want to talk about today is the fact that the Giants won a football game on Monday night, and I see that as a really good thing. I mean, Pat Shermer said on Tuesday that he saw and he felt in the locker room, he felt real joy from the players, was his quote, after they had won the game. And I think there was a a gif on Twitter of Eli Manning and and Sterling Shepard running off the field, you know, smiling and patting each other on the back and, and, and feeling really good about themselves. And to be honest with you, you know, as much as people talk about getting the higher draft pick, all of that, it's important for players to feel good about what they're doing. It's important for them to believe in the coaching staff that they're working with. It's important for them to believe that they are doing the right things, that they are making progress, that they're doing things the correct way. And the only way to validate that, the only way to continue to believe in yourselves is to win at least occasionally. And I think it's important for the Giants to win some football games. That's why I was I was happy to see not only Eli Manning lead a game-winning drive on Monday night, But I believe that it's good for the young players on the roster to learn to win some games, to learn what it takes to win versus how to simply lose games, you know, how to show up every week and lose. It's important that that you don't simply accept losing, you know, game after game, you know, that that you learn how to win, that you learn that there's a difference, you know, when you execute properly, when you do things the right way when you take advantage of opportunities, that you can be rewarded with victories. So I find, you know, winning to be an excellent thing. I mean, when you when you look at Pat Shermer, he's still a first-year coach with the Giants. He still has things to prove, and, and he's done a good job in a lot of ways. But to validate what he's doing, to validate the message he's delivering – the way that he's coaching this football team, eventually they have to win. And 
So I was glad to see them win a football game, you know, Monday night. Yes, it was against a, a weaker football team, but, you know, a win is a win at this point. Yes, it knocks them down a little bit in terms of the NFL draft order, but I'll live with that to watch a football team that makes some progress over the second half of the season. To be honest, you know, I wrote at Big Blue View earlier in the week, that's what you want to see. You want to see the Giants get better, no matter what that takes, no matter what it includes, you know, whether it includes a long-term change at quarterback, you know, whatever it includes, you want to see the Giants put a better product on the field. You want to see them improve. It's been ugly now for a year and a half, and you just want to know at some point that it's getting better and you want to have some hope heading into the 2019 season. And that's really what I'm looking for over the final uh, seven games now of this current season. Okay, Giants fans, let's switch gears now. And I will bring in James Yarko of Locked On Bucks. The next segment of our show that you'll hear is a, a segment that uh, that James and I pre-recorded, an interview looking at the uh, at the Giants Bucks game on Sunday. So we'll take a few minutes now and and play that interview for you. Okay, Giants fans, I'm joined now by James Yarko of the Locked On Bucks podcast, and we're here to talk about Sunday's Giants versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. James, how are you? Thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. I uh, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and chat a little Bucks Giants with you. Oh, we always like to talk to someone from the uh, you know from from the opposing side. You know, get a little uh, little different perspective. And you know, folks, uh, I get tired of listening to myself talk anyway. <laughs> I, I like to hear myself talk every once in a while because I always agree with me, and I, I tend to think that I'm a smart guy. <laughs> well, you know that that's actually a good point because when you're talking to yourself, nobody disagrees with you. I hadn't really thought about it that way. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So so Giants fans, let's let's get into this. James, let's talk a little bit about uh, about Sunday. And I have to start with Jason Pierre-Paul, who came out today in a in a uh, a conference call with uh, with New York media and basically he said he said I'm coming. I'm going to burn the house down and you know, he's looking forward to Sunday. So I guess I'll start with JPP, and I know he has eight sacks, but how has he been for Tampa Bay? He's been incredible. There's no other way to put it. He's been absolutely incredible. Uh, The leadership that he has brought both on and off the field. Yeah, after after the loss to the Bears, um, yeah, which was – one of the ugliest losses we've seen in, in the past few years. And that's saying something, you know, covering the bucks, he was beside himself and, and he ripped the team up and down and, and said he had never been a part of something like that in his, in his entire career. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't take to the losing well. And in the problem within the confines of, of the Buccaneers facility is that that's almost become the norm. You can, you can go back the past couple of years and you can find these blowout losses that have just become a regular thing. And so many guys have almost, they've almost become numb to it. Uh, 
So for for Jason Pierre-Paul to be part of a defense that allowed Mitchell Trubisky to look like someone who's a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, you know, that that got to him, and he, and he ripped into the defense, and he said, "I don't want to be you know part of of something like this, and we have to turn it around." But Bucks fans, for you know, for as bad as the season has gone now, uh, six losses in the last seven games after starting off two and zero. JPP has been, an, you know, one of the few things that they can point to, and they can say, you know what, this is something that we can be happy about. This is a guy that we can be excited about because he has a motor that just doesn't stop. And I, I mentioned it on the Locked On Giants podcast uh, yesterday that. You know, the problem now we're seeing with JPP in these past couple of games, he's been battling through an injury. So he's moving a little bit slower. He's not as fluid. He hasn't he hasn't been quite as destructive along the defensive line in terms of playing. But that has opened up the door for Carl Nassib, who has four sacks in the last four games. He's really stepped his game up because now people are so worried about Jason Pierre Paul. So JPP might go down as the best acquisition that Jason Light made in his tenure with the Buccaneers, whether that continues on or he's part of a full house cleaning along with Dirk Cutter and the coaching staff. That's a really interesting take on JPP, to be honest with you. I mean, I wrote today at Big Blue View that it's really easy to look at JPP's eight sacks to look at the fact that the Giants haven't had a good pass rush this year and to think that the Giants made a mistake. But considering his age, considering the injury history, considering the money that the Giants were able to unload, and considering the fact that his production was all over the map the last few years with the Giants, and he's playing better with Tampa Bay right now, or at least putting up better numbers than he has put up you know, with the Giants in, in a long, long time. And, and the only other thing I will say about JPP is it's very interesting. You know, Dirk Cutter made the comment today talking to New York media about his leadership, and you just made it as well. And it's a very interesting development. It's really interesting for me to hear for the simple reason that JPP wanted nothing to do with being a leader in New York. He They were begging him to lead, and his response to that was, I just want to play, and if people want to follow me, they follow me. But I'm basically, I'm just going to do me. Yeah, I you know, and we've kind of heard those rumblings as well, and and I'm not sure what kind of made that turn. It, it seems like he takes the leadership approach that we've seen recently with Levante David, and before that with with Derek Brooks. Now, of course, the outlier was when you know he he ripped into the team after the Bears game, like I mentioned. But he's that that quiet leader, you know, that that Levante, that Rondé Barber, that Derek Brooks lead by example. He's not going to he's not going to take the the Philip Rivers route uh, where he's he's screaming in guys faces play after play after play. But I think that really has helped with some of these young guys. Yeah, he was he was staying after after practice and working one on one with Vita Vea who missed all of training camp due to the injury. He didn't get activated until after the bye week. Um, so he he was really, really far behind to start with. And we've seen those struggles, especially, you know, you're already going to struggle as a, as a rookie, but missing all of that time. So Jason Pierre-Paul's kind of taken him under his wing and try to help him develop some of these pass rushing uh, techniques that, that has made JPP so effective. So you see the lead 
leadership from from that aspect and maybe it was the fact that he was shipped out of town you know he said that he's had this game check marked from the get-go because this is a, a guy that probably figured that he was going to be a New York Giant for life and and to be just shipped out of town whether it was the financial decision or, or the age or whatever it, it might be that probably had to hurt him you know personally that that a team would just ship him off the way that they did so there, there's a little extra fire under JPP, and and he's been the model of consistency. He, you know, he tied a franchise record for most consecutive games with a sack. Uh, when he got one against the Cincinnati Bengals, he had uh, at least one sack in six consecutive games. So, um, yeah, he's he's really just been a bright spot for this team and for this fan base. Interesting. Let's hope that he's nice to Eli Manning on Sunday. At least we'll hope from this side. We'll hope he's nice to Eli. <laughs> Well, you you can sack guys and still be nice about it, but well, and if you're not, you get flagged anymore. But um, you know, all those years of going up against Eli in practice and not being able to touch him, uh, I'm I'm sure he's going to turn on the afterburners for this one. Oh, I'm sure he will, and that'll be interesting to see. James, I need to ask you about one other former Giant who's now on the uh, Tampa Bay roster. The Giants have had. Uh, Lots of issues at the free safety position this year. Uh, one of the guys that was in training camp with the Giants competing for that job is Andrew Adams, who's now with the Buccaneers. And I was looking at the stats, and it looked like in your last game, it looked like Adams played his most significant you know, role of the season, the most snaps that he's played. I mean, is he a guy who's developing you know, into you know, more of a, more of a, a, a full or more of a significant part of the Tampa Bay defense? Uh, I don't think it has to do with his development so much as necessity. Uh, you had Justin Evans go out of the game for a few plays due to injury. Uh, you know, they were already missing MJ Stewart at corner. So they've kind of shifted him around and, and used him where they could. But I think it has more to do with, with the, availability of of Adams and you know the necessity to have bodies on the field more than anything else so it's not like he's really you know stepping up and becoming a key player for Tampa Bay he's there and 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 basically he's filling in yeah definitely more so with that now that's not to say he can't develop into a player that gets more of a role with this defense, but as of right now, you know, the the safety positions are, are pretty well locked up with Justin Evans and Jordan Whitehead, and you have your growing pains with Whitehead, who's a, a fourth-round rookie, and Evans is only in his second year, but with the injury problems that they've had at corner, uh, you know, they lost Vernon Hargraves in the first half of the first game. He was out for the season. MJ Stewart has missed the past two weeks with injury, um, and then throughout the games, you know, Carlton Davis has had to leave for a few plays. Justin Evans has had to leave for a few plays. Whitehead as well. So he's he's filling the role that they need him to fill right now. Um, maybe with a little bit more time, another offseason in in the system, or if the system changes with a with a coaching change, you might see him a little bit more on the field. But right now, he's just he's the role player and he's playing the role that they need him to. Let me ask you a couple of quarterback questions, and we'll start with a simple one. I mean, I know that that Tampa Bay's been losing games lately, but uh, but are you enjoying Fitzmagic? Uh, I am, but I'm not. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's difficult to see 
a guy like Fitzpatrick, who is he is a journeyman. He he's never been, you know, the you know the the starter that the teams have wanted him to be. You know, it's that that circle of Fitzpatrick where he plays well for a season, gets the big extension, then he's bad, then he gets benched, and then the starter gets hurt, and then he's back in and he plays great and you know, over and over and over. But <clears throat> you're also looking at a guy that has now taken the starting role from a guy who was drafted number one overall and Jameis Winston was playing horribly there's no way to get around it and you you watch him in preseason and I understand it's preseason but you know Winston was going up against the number one defenses and he looked incredible and then he he goes through the spend the, the suspension he's away from the facility he can't interact with the team he can't work with the team he comes back his mechanics are off he, he, there's something wrong there mentally it looked a lot of times like he was questioning himself and he would hesitate you know it's like you know i want to throw this ball but i might turn it over he hesitates then he throws another ball and it leads to another interception it, it, he's inside of his own head so you have Fitzpatrick now who they basically talked out of retiring because they knew his suspension was looming and he's lighting it up, which is great. But now, again, they've lost six of their last seven games. And at this point, you need to see what you have with Jameis Winston, whether they retain this coaching staff or you're putting together film for a future one. You know, Winston has a twenty one million dollar option coming up for next year that the Bucks can get out of if they bring in a head coach and they say, look, do you want Jameis Winston or not? If the coach wants him, great. If not, fine. You can move on. But you need more than 13 quarters in this season to have a coach go in and, and break down. So the other issue with Fitz is he's been so good and he's been so impressive with Todd Munkin calling the plays. Then Dirk Cutter takes back play calling and they get 501 yards of offense and three points against the Washington Redskins, a, a, an amazing record of, of ineptitude. So why would you, if, if you're coaching to save your job, why would you take away one of the factors that has led to success with this particular quarterback under center? It just, it doesn't make any sense. So, you know, a, a long winded answer to, to a, a question is I've enjoyed seeing what Fitzpatrick can do. But at the same time, it's to the detriment of the future of the franchise. That's an interesting way to answer that question, James. It really is. And it leads me to another quarterback question, which is actually about Jameis Winston. Now, you obviously understand the situation the Giants are in with the 37-year-old quarterback with the losing record. Lots of speculation about whether this will be Eli Manning's last year at the helm of the Giants and all of that. And I get the question every so often, should the Giants go after Jameis Winston if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers let him go? And my answer to that is, you're absolutely kidding me. I want nothing to do with the guy. I mean, <laughs> to, to be honest with you, as a franchise guy bringing him in and paying him money, I want nothing to do with the guy. Am I wrong? Or is he a guy that you think, you know, in a different circumstance, you know, could could become you know a, a quality quarterback for someone i think the wealth of Jameis winston's talent can be put up against just about any quarterback in the league this guy is just bursting with athletic ability the problem is 
you have a coach there who didn't want him. Dirk Cutter, you know, he said all the right things afterwards, but Dirk Cutter was the last guy on board for Jameis Winston. He wanted Marcus Mariota. So they they get rid of Lovey Smith and keep Dirk Cutter for the development of Jameis Winston, and it hasn't developed. The the question is that you know none of us are really are really sure of, and we probably won't be until Jameis gets somebody else in there. <clears throat> or he goes somewhere else to be coached by a, another coordinator is is Dirk Cutter trying to force Jameis Winston into being a quarterback that he's not and you're gonna have your mistakes with Jameis it's part of his game you know the comparison that I've always used is Brett Favre he's gonna make those plays where you're you're holding the sides of your head screaming no 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 and then all of a sudden it works and you're jumping up and down and screaming yes but then he'll have those plays where you know you just you don't know what to say you're dumbfounded at how he could make a decision like that and turn the ball over because he's a gunslinger he feels he can fit any football through any window at any time so the talent is there and the, the big issue, of course, is going to be the off-field concerns. We saw the accusations of Florida State. He was suspended for accusations for an Uber ride in Arizona. Now, those, those accusations came to light towards the end of last season, but the incident allegedly occurred way back in the beginning of 2016. So whether he did it or not, nobody knows. It's he said, she said, there were two people in the car Jameis and the driver. So the only people that are ever going to know what really happened are those two people. That being said, since then, Jameis Winston has gotten married. He has had a child. Anyone who has had a child knows that as soon as your first child is born, it's almost like you flip a switch. You, there's a, you reach a maturity level that you didn't even know existed because you have to care. You're, you are, putting somebody else's life literally in your hands. If that changes Jameis Winston, time will tell. But there is a maturity issue with him. There, There is a mechanical issue with him as far as on the field. But under a different coaching staff, he might be brilliant. You know, I could I could definitely see Bruce Arians coming into this into this facility and taking Jameis under his wing and turning him into a Ben Roethlisberger, a Peyton Manning, uh, and, and working wonders with him. So Giants fans that may want Jameis Winston, should he become available, I wouldn't say that they're wrong. And the ones that don't want him, I wouldn't say are wrong. But the talent is absolutely there. Interesting. James, one last question. Let's talk specifically about Sunday. I'm not necessarily going to ask you for a prediction, but what are your thoughts on what we might see on Sunday uh, just in terms of, of the matchup itself? A lot of that is is going to be based on whether or not Dirk Cutter can swallow his pride and give the play calling back to Todd Munkin. You know, this is a, a head coach that says, we're a running football team. We're a running football team. We're going to run the ball to open up the passing game. Well, when Todd Munkin was calling the plays, they weren't running the ball at all, and they had the number one offense in football because nobody could stop the weapons that they have. 
Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard is a human mismatch no matter what defense he's going against. The speed of Deshaun Jackson, the the underneath ability of Cameron Braid and Adam Humphreys. I mean, who do you who do you guard? Because it's nothing but weapons. But then you have Dirk Cutter take over play calling. We're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. Okay, well, you had five trips inside the red zone against the Washington Redskins. You had a running back that was averaging four yards per carry, and there were two run plays in five red zone possessions. That was that was the downfall. So if Todd Munkin gets the play calling back, I fully expect the Buccaneers to be able to win this game. Now, if Dirk Cutter is still calling plays, I think we're going to see something very similar to what we saw against the Washington Redskins. The defense, I feel, can do enough to keep them in the game, despite the fact that Odell Beckham Jr., another human mismatch against virtually any defense, Saquon Barkley, who I was very wrong about uh, heading into the draft, yeah, he is tearing things up and, and starting to get you know out in space more. And then you have Ingram at tight end who, you know, if he can hold on to the ball, could be a huge mismatch against a team that is already down Quan Alexander and might not have Levante David, who who has an MCL sprain. So, you know, it's one of those things where it should be whoever has the ball last, but it might end up being the Giants are just going to run away with it because of the red zone ineptitude. Interesting. You know, I, I, I lied to you. While you were talking, I had one more question that I okay. need to I need to back up and ask. You mentioned Mike Evans. You mentioned Odell Beckham. If I offered you Odell Beckham for Mike Evans straight up, are you saying yes or no? No. Explain. No, and, and I, I won't even hesitate. Again, Odell Beckham Jr. is... An amazing talent. Amazing. But to me, the the money that he got, I think, is is too much for a receiver that too too much Terrell Owens for me, if that makes any sense. You know, the the interview that he did with ESPN when he was sitting there with Little Wayne and basically throwing his team under the bus, saying that you know he wasn't sure if he wanted to be in New York. You know, that that kind of stuff rubs me the wrong way. The temper tantrums rub me the wrong way, and it did with Mike Evans. Mike Evans was a hothead early on in his career. He got ejected from a game against the Panthers because he he was screaming at a referee that he was interfered with on a pass. You know, in a in a game where the Panthers were up by 31 points with like two minutes left. And he's sitting there screaming at the ref, you know, if it's a penalty in the first quarter, it should be a penalty now. And he gets ejected, but he's really calmed down a lot. I like what Mike Evans does. Is he, is he as talented in all facets as Odell Beckham Jr.? No, he's not. He doesn't have the speed that Odell Beckham Jr. does. He doesn't get the yards after catch that Odell Beckham Jr. does. But personally, I would do I would rather have a guy that can win those win those jump balls and do all those things that Mike Evans does without the headaches. 
Thank you very much for for that answer. And James, thank you very much for spending some uh, some time with me today. Why don't you tell the folks where they can where they can find your work before we let you go? Yeah, you can you can check out everything that I'm doing over at BucksNation.com. Uh, I'm one of the co-hosts of Locked On Bucks. It's myself and, and a fellow Bucks Nation member. David Harrison, uh, you know, we, we do our shows five days a week, of course. Um, and you can follow along on Twitter at locked on bucks at J Yarko underscore bucks and, uh, at bucks underscore nation. And, and I really appreciate you, uh, you giving me some time to, uh, to talk Buccaneers and giants. Hey, thanks for coming on and, uh, you know, good luck on Sunday. Just, uh, you know, send, send JPP a memo to be nice to Eli and we'll be fine. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, James. Thank you. All right, Giants fans, that's our show for today. We thank James Yarko of Locked On Bucks for giving us a few minutes. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Also, our next episode, which is scheduled to air on Friday, will feature Dan Pizzuta and Chris Flum talking NFL draft. We hope that you'll tune in for that. All right, thank you. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye now. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out. And if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>